The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. So welcome to the latest episode of Flamingo's Apartment Rebels podcast. So I just like messed up this name very embarrassingly. So excited to have Daniel Berlin on the uh, on the podcast. Excited to be here. Yeah. So really interesting what you all are doing. So Daniel is the founder and CEO of Snap. And what they do is fraud detection for the industry, which is something that comes up a lot if you, if I um, spent a lot of time talking to property managers, spending time in the same places where they hang out online. And something that comes up a lot is prospects submitting like fake documents right. in order to get an apartment. So right. it's a real problem in the industry and you all are solving that. So really excited to have you on. Thanks. Learn a lot more about what you all do and exactly how you do it. Sure. And what some of the successes have looked like for uh, companies that you have worked with. So welcome. Thanks so much. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you into the industry to start with? Yeah. So, um, so my, my background is in the, is in the property management space. So I own and manage, uh, my own Berlin portfolio. That's yeah, right. I yeah. The Berlin property. So my own, my own portfolio of rental properties, yeah. uh, in the Los Angeles area. And then my co-founder, uh, at SNAP, Noah Goldman, uh, he has his own property management, ownership and, and management group yeah. as well. Um, and so Noah and I, you know, we've been friends since our early twenties. Yeah. Um, so, you know, due to our you know, friendship and being in the same industry and kind of dealing with the same problems, you yeah. know, we would constantly, you know, talk about issues that we were seeing yeah. in, in our, in our portfolios. Hey, I found these new laminate floors and this tenant brought this sort of situation. You know, we're constantly going back and forth. And, and one of the things that we kept hitting on yeah. over and over was our frustration with with applicants submitting fake financial documents. So mm-hmm. fake bank statements, fake pay stubs when applying to our vacant units. Um, so not to give people ideas, but like how does someone get a fake yeah. bank statement or sure. fake whatever? Yeah. So there's, there's really, you know, two different ways. So you can either we'll get ideas from this. Audience, yeah. No, I, if you were going to fake that, email me, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's really, it's really one of two ways. You're either taking an, an existing document. So an existing real document. So you might go onto your online banking and download a document. Or you're going to get, you know, an existing, you know, payroll statement or whatnot from your online payroll and download it. Use some photo editing software, some PDF editors, things like that. Change the names, move some numbers around. Yeah. Um, so that's how they're doing it with real documents. Or the other way um, is there, I mean, just if you Google fake bank statement or Google fake pay stop, you'll find hundreds and hundreds of pages. Oh, wow. So if you look it up on writing these. Absolutely. There's a whole economy out there. If you look it up on Reddit fake bank statement, fake pay stub, you know, people will give you the, the how to of how to do it. And, and, you know, there are great things about technology, you know, marching forward and it's made our lives easier in many other ways. And, you know, there are some maybe not so great uh, things about it and, and being able to falsify what we call, you know, pixel perfect documents is, yeah. is incredibly easy now. Wow. So now how big of a problem is this for right. a property manager? I know you mentioned that part of how you came about this was you were solving a problem for yourself. So for the majority of property managers, like how big of a problem is this? Yeah. So, you know, so to give you, so to give you some national data. So for the moment, 
the moment, we have uh, just over 300,000 units that are using us nationwide. Uh, we're in, you know, 30 plus states at the moment. And of, and of course, you know, food growing, growing rapidly. Um, and each month we're seeing, you know, 20,000 ish, you know, applicants. Um, and last month we detected that 14% wow. submitted fake financial documents. So it's, that's approximately one out of seven. Um, and through our company's, uh, history, um, so we went live July of 2019. Since then we've run about a hundred thousand applicants. Uh, and to date we're averaging 12%. So wow. approximately one out of eight. Uh, so what are the typical reasons why someone might fake a document? Because for me, like when I think about sure. it is if I am applying for an apartment, right. And I'm not qualified to live there because sure. of income or something else. I would not want to apply. Like I wouldn't want to live there because right. if I can't afford to live there, that's going to lead to an addiction, which is right. expensive both for the property and for me yeah. as a resident. So. Why would someone want to fake those types of documents? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, it, it's a good question. Um, we're certainly on the the data end. So we're just, you know, receiving documents <laughs> and determining their authenticity. We're not necessarily at the beginning of the story, yeah. which is someone's motivation. Um, so, you know, anecdotally, um, look, I think, you know, if we think about some, you know, some of the communities that, that are built around the country, you know, they're beautiful. And they're designed for someone to have an emotional connection with the space. You know, they're designed to make you to feel aspirational, to want to live there, to think about the life that you're going to have and the people you're going to meet, you know, how you're going to feel about yourself. And so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. You know, uh, we also have a, a society that's kind of, kind of based on, you know, overstretching, uh, and overreaching, um, you know, so I, I think, yeah, I think people are motivated, you know, for understandable reasons to to want to live in, you know, a really nice place. Uh, and unfortunately, um, they aren't always as, um, you know, financially, uh, you know, conservative as as maybe you know we would want them to be. Yeah. As as property owners. So, Lynn, what are some of the uh, issues that come up when? A resident moves into an apartment that they right. are not able to afford, or that when they give for like that fake documentation, like what simply ends up happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, of, of course the, the, the worst case scenario is, is an eviction, which, um, you know, is obviously a, a pretty, pretty terrible experience, uh, for everybody involved, right. You know, property owners are going to, you know, spending all their time, uh, you know, going to the courts and kind of dealing with that process. Of course, there's a tremendous amount of out-of-pocket expense, but you know, again, for the resident, um, this is a, you know, a very traumatic experience that's happening in your life. You're literally having, you know, you're, you're being, being kicked out of your home. Um, and so, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do is, is, you know, try to make sure that as, as much as we can, of course, we're only solving, you know, one piece of the puzzle, but, but as much as that we can, that we can at least, you know, ensure that the residents that are going in are, are, are able to pay rent. Um, and of course that only, that only benefits the property and the, you know, just the community, uh, in general. Yeah. Now for the thing I'm most interested in is like, what is the underlying technology? Like, how are you all able to actually detect a fake case or yeah. something else? Like, how does that work? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, basically what we do is we, we, uh, we analyze both the visual capacity of the document and the data. Mm. So on the visual end, we're looking at, you know, the individual pixels on the screen, the compression ratio, the color ratio, you know, the, the physical alignment of the document and how it compares to our massive database of, of that same document type. So that's the visual end. And then also, you know, we're, we're analyzing the back end of the document. So the individual lines of code that are written 
to create these documents. That's where, so we're overlaying our front tech over the, the front end and the back end. Uh, and by, by doing that, that's what allows us to determine the authenticity. You know, we're in a very, um, advantageous position that each financial institution's documents have their own, you know, digital fingerprint, if you will. Um, and each one has its own, you know, very specific idiosyncrasies. And so that's what we've tuned our system to do and our algorithms to do is so to detect. So you guys have basically gone out to all like the major financial institutions to see what their documents look like and then use your system to learn exactly what's look. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So what would be some of those like financial systems that you guys have? Um, I'll say study. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the individual documents that come from every banking institution in the United States, as well as every payroll institution in the United States. Um, wow. so, you know, there's that component. And then once you start to see, you know, a tremendous volume of documents, you also then start to see that there are, there are elements in, regardless of what kind of document there, there are elements that if present, they are, you know, uh, obvious markers that this document is, has been edited or uh, was never real to begin yeah. with. Wow. So then how does uh, training the system actually happen? So is it just like this processing one document after another? That's exactly right. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a pain, it's a painstaking process. It takes a tremendous amount of volume of information. You know, it's, uh, it, it requires very, very specialized knowledge that really only comes with a, with a vast amount of data, uh, where, you know, you get to, you know, as our data scientists, data scientists would say, uh, a statistically significant, you know, data set yeah. where that's when these patterns, uh, of what makes a document authentic and, and what makes it inauthentic really start to, to ring true. So then what's the process from someone applying what? and submitting those documents to you on receiving it? What does that look like? Are you integrated with the maturity of CRM? Right. How do those documents get to you all? And then how do you get back to the property at that? Yeah, it's fake. This is not fake. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So for the moment, uh, we're integrated with the RD. We just, just rolled that out. Um, we're, we're, we're working on, you know, integrations with the other you know, major property management software, uh, you know, as we speak. Um, but that being said, we've, uh, got over 1200 communities that are using our platform alongside the application process and the, the software that, that they're, you know, currently using. So basically, you know, how our end works is, is, Essentially, we don't touch the application process. Uh, you know, we, we leave that process completely alone. And essentially, once the applicants, uh, finishes their application, they receive an email. Um, and in that email, uh, it says, you know, thank you so much for applying. You know, as we discussed previously, there's one more step, which is, uh, false or rather not falsify, uh, validating your, your financial documents. Yeah. Please click on the following link and upload your documents. So the applicant clicks on that link, brings it to our page. They then put in their first name, last name, email address, unit they're applying to, and then they upload their financial documents. Oh, Those then God. immediately run through our, through our system. Uh, and we then return uh, the documents in a report uh, back to our platform. Um, so we notify the teams that the report is ready for them to view. And for those customers that are with Yardi that we've integrated with, we then return that, uh, that report back into Yardi. Um, but regardless of the system that you're on or whatnot, um, based on our, our security and, and technology that we've built, the, the documents need to be uploaded within our platform. Then what level of accuracy have you guys seen? Like what's the, uh, do you see a lot of false positives? Or right. Really? Yeah, it's a good, that's a great question. And, and of course, like with, with any, with any business, um, you know, there's the, 
it's easy to be tempted to, to scale uh, and maybe not to scale with true accuracy, whether regardless of what you're doing, but obviously yeah. with us, it's, it's probably even more pertinent. So, um, you know, on our data, so like I said, we've scanned over a hundred thousand applicants, uh, that's comprised of over 300,000 individual financial documents. Uh, and our accuracy rate to date is 99.998%. Wow. So, um, look like mistakes have been made. Um, mistakes will continue to be made, um, as you know, platforms and, and whatnot change. And, you know, there's just an obvious error rate, uh, but it's something that we, you know, are uh, take incredible pride in and, and we work incredibly hard to make sure that that accuracy level is to, you know, an incredibly high degree, which is what we think yeah. the, the industry deserves. So then please snap for companies, how do they typically go about testing fraud? Like how will they test that prior to you guys coming in it? Yeah, look, I mean, we're not replacing any other systems. We're, we're essentially re replacing the human eye um, and that of the leasing staff. Um, you know, prior to us, you know, people are staring very closely at documents. They're referencing a different document from the same company. Um, there's obviously, you know, the other way of doing it is trying to, you know, call the employer or, you know, do some Google searching or, you know, all of that. And, and, you know, all of things I've like heard from like different like property management groups where right. they're like, oh, I think this looked kind of fake to me. And right. I Googled it. Exactly. The company. Right. And I found that it was, and I can't imagine how much time and effort that makes. It's, it's incredibly time intensive. Um, I, you know, I think the other piece that they're doing is they're trying to look through the map on the actual document and in essence, you know, becoming like forensic accounts. Um, and, but the issue then still in lies, like once you believe that you have identified a fake document, how do you know and what is your evidence? And, you know, there is an argument to be made that there's, you know, a potential claim that a resident can make, which is saying, hey, you're you're looking into my documents or you're accusing me of X, Y, Z yeah. because of whatever scenario. Um, and the nice thing is that for, you know, at least what we see is both ends is that, you know, we kind of take that process off the leasing team. They no longer have that anxiety. It's like, oh, you got to blame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, by the way, that's exactly right. They say, hey, yeah. look, I don't know. The computer says it like yeah. deal with them. And, you know, of course we have a dispute resolution process that if an applicant, you know, feels that we have, you know, uh, incorrectly scored their document. Uh, we have a process for them to, to essentially reach out to us and we, and we work to, to rectify it. Um, you know, I think we assumed or I assumed, you know, I was wrong in thinking that this would be, you know, a huge part of our business that, um, you know, a huge percentage of applicants would dispute our rulings and, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to report that we've only found that 0.4% of applicants ever dispute our rulings. Oh, wow. So the vast majority, um, you know, I'm like, oh, you cut me. They take off. Yeah. Wow. No, that's really fascinating. Thank you. So in terms of the documents you all scan, is it primarily uh, pay stops or what else, do you, what else is included in your fraud detection system? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so we focus specifically on uh, bank statements and pay stops. Okay. Um, so, you know, as an example of documents that are regularly collected at, at, at properties that we do not validate, uh, one of those would be tax documents. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the issue with the tax document is anybody that has TurboTax can create a tax document um, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to send it to the IRS or anything like that. So, you know, we looked into it and unfortunately we could just tell you like, yes, this is a tax document, but we can't but tell you whether or not it's real or not. 
We also can't validate uh, offer letters. Um, and the reason why we can't offer validate offer letters is because they're unverifiable, essentially. Yeah. You know, we could tell you, hey, that this is created on Microsoft Word or this program, and yeah. it was written by so-and-so. Yeah. What value does that really give? Yeah. And, and again, as offer letter I send to one of our customers, success managers was a text message. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah. No, that is a really cool uh, process. And like, I love companies that go out and find ways to really save time for the site teams and really drive automation for things that, frankly, they shouldn't be spending time doing. Like, I totally agree. Someone shouldn't be reviewing like things no. to figure out if it's valid or not. No. And they call an employer exactly. to see if it's not, if they have a system. Exactly. Like yeah, especially when it can be done, you know, extremely quickly. Yeah. And one thing I really like um, that I mentioned earlier, you all have on your website is the stats from different states that right. shows like the level of fraud on a uh, fraud on each state. Right. Like how do you guys come up with that data? Is it from your own data or is yeah. it like general data? Yeah. So that that's our own data. Um, you know, each month we send out uh, a monthly report uh, to our customers, letting them know, of course, what the national fraud rate is mm -hmm. and then what the fraud rate is per state. Um, cause that's obviously something that people are, you know, very interested in. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that was just kind of due to, to, due to a, a repeating question we were getting. Well, yeah. okay, sure. If you're saying it's 12% in, you know, the cross country, but what is it in Alabama? What is it in yeah. Atlanta? What is it Nevada? Yeah. Um, and so it was just the easier way for, for customers to be able to, uh, yeah, yeah. answer those questions on their own, yeah. uh, on our website. And I can't remember because this was like two days ago, but I, I know that, um, there was some states that really stood out because they had either, they had either really high fraud rates, right? much lower fraud rates than that uh, average like 12 to 14%. That's right. So do you all know what might be some of the mitigating factors for why one state might just have uh, sure. a much, much higher rate of fraud than right. other state? Look, I think the major outlier when it comes to, you know, what we do is Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, consistently, Georgia is well, like into, the low, in, well into, the, into the low 20%. Really? So, which is very much on the high end. I have no idea. Wow. Uh, I, I wouldn't even begin to know why Georgia is higher than Florida, which is right next to it. Yeah. Um, but what we do know is that that is the reality. Uh, when it comes to states that have, you know, really low fraud percentages, you know, of course, we, we've, we have 300,000 units and that doesn't mean that uh, that distribution is exactly even, yeah. you know, about a third of our portfolios in California. Um, so, you know, there are some states that, uh, you know, will get a hundred applicants or 70. And of course, uh, that has yeah. a much, yeah, has much lower st st statistical significance yeah. than, you know, a state with, you know, 50,000 units, if yeah. you will. Wow. No, that is, this one is awesome. Hey, thanks a lot. I, I learned a lot about fraud, <laughs> things that I just like did not know. Yeah. So it's best not to talk about fraud in the morning. It's a little disheartening. Like <laughs> yeah. in the afternoon, I think we scheduled this at the right time. Yeah. Like yeah. Time. <laughs> so kind of thinking about property management as a whole, like what, what's like one thing that if it's solved in property management, I kind of just like wave a magic wand and solve it. Like what would that be? Especially for you being uh, a property manager yourself. Yeah. I mean, look, I, um, I think, I think there's the, I think the application process just in general for, for residents is challenging. Um, and you know, if I would wave my magic wand, there would be an end to end, you know, leasing solution, um, uh, that really worked for applicants when they're standing in the unit, when they're making that emotional connection to the space, like I was mentioning before, 
in a way that can pull their you know, financial details, you know, ensure that it's authentic, pull their credit, their criminal history, sort of all of that information, you know, pull it together and then uh-huh. score it based on the property manager's acceptance criteria based on that unit and could really give leasing teams this, you know, live time. Uh-huh. Yes, this person is, you know, yes, this person uh, is, uh, uh, you know, approved or they're conditionally approved because you need X, Y, Z. And you can really make that transaction happen on the spot. Um, Cause I think we all know, you know, when you go to a car dealership and you're interested in the car, um, you know, they bring you into the room yeah. and they wait until that deal is closed because yeah. they don't want you to leave. And I think, you know, with the amount of competition that, you know, property owners and managers have, yeah. uh, when you, when you've got someone who's interested and who's qualified, like so I just do keep it. them. Yeah. yeah. It's like instant sales, which is what was almost everywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Oh, no. Thanks. So thank you so much for being on. Hey, my pleasure. Really, really, appreciate really it, man. Powerful. Yeah. And, uh, so I'll do a fist bump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. The world. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. For a fist bump. <laughs> God, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>